Welcome to episode 30 of MADE, the podcast about purpose-driven design, making, and manufacturing. Today we're going to talk about Netflix's The White Rabbit Project. Let's continue the conversation. Welcome back to another episode of MADE. I am one of your hosts, Jose Valcarcel. With me always is Ray Peña. How you doing? And Claudia Berrigan. Hello. Hola. And uh, we're back again, guys. Second episode in a row. Um, last week was good. We we've been we had been away for a while, but then it was good to be back, and now we're we're back again. So keeping on uh, schedule. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and hopefully releasing it a more uh, consistent schedule as well. Um. Your mom will stop nagging you. Yes. Oh, is your mom <laughs> harassing you? Well, when we go, if we go like even a week without recording, she'll bug me about it. So this time we went almost a month, I think, without recording, and she was all over me. She was like, "I didn't hear your show. I listened to it at work." Blah blah blah. blah, blah. You know. And of course, now that we mentioned her, she's gonna say, "Hey, why do you say that I nag? <laughs> why are you telling everybody that I nag?" <laughs> well, you know, the truth is the truth. Yeah. Nothing is hidden in the show. No. It, it all comes out. It's transparent. Exactly. Um, so this week we all watched the first five episodes of, if I mean, I think everybody knows what Netflix is, um, but we watched the first episode of the Netflix The White Rabbit Project, so we figured we'd, uh, because it's the, I guess the, how do we, it's a descendant of the Mythbusters show, right? A spinoff can, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you could call it, I guess, not by the same network, but... No. Yeah, because it has similar, the same characters. Yeah. Well, I mean, they chose the the three hosts on purpose. Right. They wanted to tap into that market. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, so since it's sort of a, a descendant of that, we figured let's let's check it out. Let's see what it's about, and let's see how, one, it ties into the maker community and to what we talk about here. Um, so I think we're going to go straight to that. And uh, skip news because we we we're sort of in a little bit of a hurry this this week, um, so we're just going to skip through the news and go right to our main topic. All right, so as we mentioned during the opening, there our topic is the White Rabbit Project. I figured. So we watched the first five episodes, so anybody that hasn't seen the show and wants to check it out on their own probably shouldn't listen to this episode yet. Go watch this, the first five episodes and then come back, right? Yeah, because gonna, we're going to spoil it for you. Right, we're going we're gonna to talk about exact, everything they talk about in the, in the episodes. So, uh, yeah, so if you haven't seen them yet, go do that now. I assume you're back so, <laughs> and you've watched the five episodes. Um, so I figured we'd talk about it first generally, what we thought about the show, our general I- ideas, and then we'd go episode by episode. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, what, what do you think about it first, right? What, what were your general thoughts about the show? Um, you know, it was, it was weird because you, you know, we discussed that, that uh, they're trying to tap into the same target audience that Mythbusters uh, uh, enjoyed so much, and that's why they chose all three of the same characters because they they really could have used any right. any actors but they or mixed them up they could have had one person from mythbusters uh and then two other people they could have done anything but they chose to have the to maintain those three 
as hosts intact. Right, so, and that's, uh, for people that know that story, Balechi, Carrie Byron, and Grant Imahara. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, for me, I, you know, those, those three were so solid a part of, of uh, Mythbusters that you, it's hard to get away from that. So, I think they right. did that on purpose. That's one. Uh, two, the uh, the shop that they're working in was clearly like this atypical Hollywood shop. Right. Uh, big, beautiful space, plenty of room. Mm -hmm. um, you know, comfy chairs. Yeah, I'm like, what the? This is like a uh, like a make believe shop. This is not a mm -hmm. real shop. And so, whatever tools they had, they were you could barely see them scattered to the edges of the of the of the shop, and it made me think about that so this was you know right in the beginning made me think that they're not really going to be making too much on this show mm -hmm. um and of course uh i you know kind of hate to say that the first episode of the five was the only one that was really heavy into any kind of making right right right, right. Hey, what about you claudia what you what were your general thoughts of, of the show so i couldn't really watch all five of them because i kept falling asleep <laughs> it was that exciting it was that exciting for me <laughs> um and while sometimes that was the case for mythbusters mm -hmm. at least i think it, the show went faster so mm -hmm. it kept me engaged more and the way i describe it is that it's a really bad goofier version of mythbusters mm -hmm. and um and, and mythbuster yeah. was pretty goofy to begin with <laughs> exactly. yes it was yeah so this is badly done in that sense um, I think I guess one of the, some of the positive parts of it is that the three the three cast members are still there, and they're the way that they interact with each other hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. So every time that they were doing something together is what was reminiscent of Mythbusters, mm -hmm. and that's where I I was able to stay awake for a little longer and pay attention. And then whenever they would separate, then that's when they would lose me. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with everything you guys are saying. Um, I think for me, it was definitely, it wasn't what I was expecting, you know, because when you bring these three guys back together, which their interactions with each other is probably not, not only some of the best st stuff, like they, I think they went right by putting the three of them back together because they have such great interactions with each other. Um, that's definitely a positive of it. But when you bring them, the three of them together, you ex you're expecting a certain thing. Yes, and when when it doesn't do that, you kind of let down at that point. Um, I think the other part of it for me is that when the show started, they didn't really explain how the show was going to work. They sort of just jump right in as if the show had been going for years. Yes, you know, and uh, so that was a little bit that you had to get used to. Um, the other part of it is that there just really wasn't a lot of making. I think to me, it was a lot of the stuff that they're talking about is interesting. They're they're putting things out there that are interesting and like oh okay I learned something today from the show, but it's just not the show I went in looking f looking for. Yeah. So in that sense, it was a bit of a letdown. Um, but I mean, I guess let's get some specifics rather than just keeping it in the vague terms. So let let's go with let, let I guess we just go in order. Um, yeah. Although with, I would I would uh -huh. like to say one other general thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is the bad acting? I don't mm -hmm. get all these yes. skits. Are so bad acting. I could right. they could deal away with all that. I don't need to see any of that. 
Um, yeah, which which is what was weird because sometimes they would do that on MythBusters. Yeah, but this was specially long one and specially bad. <laughs> yeah, and I get that. I think some of it was on purpose for the comedic part of it. Because I think as as you get back into the later episodes, they start showing. Um, there's an, an episode where uh, Tori is talking about the one of the the one of the schemes. And he's in this setup with like the old timey phone, and he's yeah. wearing this weird hat. Yeah. And you can hear the the producer giving him direction. Yeah, they're like, okay, now act like you just had the idea. And he's, <gasps> and like, like they went to that degree to the point of like they're they're being they're showing the behind the scenes goofiness even. Yeah, of the skits, which there's no need for the skits. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. especially. And I think the first episode was especially bad. The rest right. of them weren't as bad, but that. Right. Yeah, like real campy B movie mm-hmm. kind of Toxic yeah. Avenger. You know, that's what her, that's what that person. <laughs> their act, their acting reminded me of the Toxic yeah. Avenger, uh, yeah. from the eighties. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the other thing. In the first one, they had like other actors playing the scenes too. Yes, like, yes. You don't see them for the first like four or five minutes. Yeah. What am I watching? And like what? Then like I, at one point I'm like, did I press the wrong thing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, <laughs> let's so let's talk about that first episode, which is Wait, the yeah. yeah you guys have something to say? The one thing I like I wanted to say before like we start talking about it, like, um, structure wise, mm-hmm. it's important to like, it seems like this really long show, right? Mm-hmm. But they actually have a structure within it, right? right. They, uh, they talk wanna, about uh, a single topic, right? Throughout the thing, mm-hmm. they have six examples and usually of different uh, cases, and they rank. Them. Right, so they don't actually say this at the beginning of the show, but they're I think what they're doing is they, they pick a topic and then they're gonna take each one of them takes two, um, no, I wouldn't say examples, but two stories two ca- I would say, yeah, two stories or two cases of yes. this thing, yes, that they're gonna they're gonna put forward and then they're gonna rank them all, yes, and then yeah. they do builds and experiments to yeah. sort of like tech. <laughs> well, uh, is- only in the first one, I guess. I think they only did experiments in the first one. Yeah. And then there's also a lot of storytelling on their own. Yes. yes. Yeah. So that's a bigger, that's another. So these are just structurally, these are different than while Mythbusters was also structured in terms of the movies. Right. And then they would, they would specifically focus on, on. Right. But, but Mythbus, Mythbusters always started with the idea of here's this thing that people say is true. Yeah. Let's prove it. It's true. Like the, an example, I was listening to something else, and and they talked about how oh yeah, MythBusters disproved that, which was the idea that if you drop a gun, it'll fire a bunch of times. Something that you see in movies all the time. Ah uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So, but they they set out to prove that thing. These guys were not setting out to prove anything. They were. It's sort of. It's almost like a competition of who's got who can come up with the best example of blank. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's already produced, so they kind of already are telling you the story based on who they think is best. Yeah. Right. And there's one uh, other little aspect of, uh, since you mentioned it, Claudia, of the structure. It's it's one of my, I guess it's a personal peeve, because I've seen a lot of shows do this. Basically, they, they record all the bits and pieces, mm-hmm. and then they tie it all together with the three of them in one setting um, where they're, I know one of them, they were in a bar, and I know another one, they're in the studio, they're just sitting there and they they're talking to each other and you know they bring up this thing and then it goes to a cutaway, right. and then they come back and they're sitting in the same setting and then they say mm-hmm. what of the, this other thing 
and it goes to a cutaway. So mm-hmm. I, I don't like how that they're trying to tie it all together with this one setting. Um, it's it's a, a tool that I see used in a lot of mm-hmm. things, and I find it personally, I find it annoying. And I, and I can't tell you exactly why I find it annoying, but like um, uh, that that other show with the uh, the car, uh, the car guys. Oh, the uh, it's a Brit- about. yeah British, yeah, British show. show. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember, it, but they do the same thing, and I mm-hmm. I find it terribly annoying. Right, it, and here specifically comes off as phony because you know they, they've, they've had a production meeting they know what everybody else was doing yes but then they're, they're sitting here acting surprised they're like oh my god i can't believe you did that yeah and of yeah. course because they're bad actors it right. comes off even worse <laughs> right right yeah and uh, uh, one last thing or one last thing for me the other thing that that really annoyed me and it's ties in through all the episodes whenever you see a screen it's a piece of glass that has an image on it like at one point, with Tori's doing an interview with a guy, and he's not talking to like a computer screen. He's talking to a piece of glass that has this projection on it. Oh yes, That's and that is the, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, like as if we're like in Star Wars or something. Like, there's no way that's real. <laughs> like, who who are you fooling? That guy exactly. is talking to a piece of glass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that later is being that later is being produced like you know post produced to put that image on there. Yeah, like. <laughs> Which makes it even worse because he again he's not a great actor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know that that bothered me that this this magic Star Trek screen kept showing up throughout as if they had this technology and the rest of us don't have it. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. All right. So episode one, the super powered technology. Um, what was you guys' favorite technology? There were so there were six. There was mind control. Yeah. There was the ability to freeze. Yeah. Lightning power. Yeah. Invisibility. Mm-hmm. Super strength and then power of flight. Yes. Right. I mean, I'll start. I, I like the lightning power. The lightning power. The lightning power. Yeah, because uh-huh. especially because you know they're putting on the suit and making sure that like there were no openings on it was mm-hmm. that see like something like that was funny and then you're seeing it being being done and there's a danger to it <laughs> right, and there's actual science being explained and they're actually setting up because they explained the whole idea of the death luck oil they you know they explained the whole um idea i forget what the the, the soup was called now mm-hmm. um yeah there's faraday the faraday soup yeah right um yeah and they include the costs of, right. of yeah. all of these things i think that was see to me that was very informative Mm. Well, well, you know what's of... interesting you should uh, say that because uh, it, part of that format yeah they have six stories but then they also tell you what the criteria that they'll be judging right. each uh, case with and mm. and in this particular one the criteria was you know the usability and practical practicality of the whole thing mm-hmm. which is a huge thing if you're talking about superhero tech right uh, the yeah. cost as, as Claudia says and then of course the similarity to an actual superpower. Mm. Uh, and, and it was interesting in the fact that it was very clear some of these things were just not even feasible. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, I think for me this episode right off the bat, and I, I'm not going to throw out what their final ranking was yet because we'll, we'll do that at, at the end of talking about this episode, but I think the way they judged it made it so that the one that was closest to being a fully realized superpower 
didn't win. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I, I felt the same way. Right. For me, I'm like, oh yeah, this one's this one's clearly already here. Right. <laughs> They're clearly already doing it. Yeah. And it's like ends up fourth. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, how the hell? <laughs> um, but I mean, I think each one of these things had had something interesting to it, right? Even, right at the bat. So let's go mind control, right? You you talked about the lightning power. I think we all agreed it was it was pretty cool, very impractical because he had, you had to sit on top of that <laughs> the Tesla coil to use it. Um, but it was pretty cool to see him blow up the the balloons with the wand and everything. Yes. Right? And, and it had a funny point where he feels the current going through his body. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I thought it was yeah it's interesting. But you know um, it, it that you bring up a good point on this one, and uh, I won't I won't mm-hmm. uh, stay on there too much, but. If it were Mythbusters, if they were Mythbusters, they would have used a pig as a human analog, right. and they would have made sure to see if it actually would have worked mm-hmm. uh, instead of just a cardboard cutout with a with a balloon. Right. Yeah, yeah they would have done because Grant does that later when he's freezing somebody. They don't go into it, but he used he, he looked like he used that, what the Mythbusters used with that, that ballistics gel. Yes. That he's trying to freeze the guy. They don't really go that much into it, and maybe they're not going into it to try and sort of not go too close to what Mythbusters used to do. But you're right; they should have used something a little more human than just balloons filled with. I believe it was a gas that already is tends to explode that way. It wasn't a helium. I don't think it was helium. I think I mentioned what gas it was. I don't remember now. Okay. But but I think the gas was already predisposed to sort of blowing up that way. But let's get into the mind control part of it. Okay. So, I don't think there was any mind control going on here. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Right? That, that was my first beef with it. I get... So, the way that it worked, I mean, I'm assuming everybody that's listening to this has probably watched the show. If not, what are you doing? Um, but the way it, what they were using is they were using the, the reflexes of the muscle to cause a similar reflex on somebody else's muscle. So it, it wasn't. It's not mind control as one would think it is. It's not even close to it. Not even the example of the cockroach was mind control. No, you're using reflexes that are built into the cockroach to control it. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only mind control that happened in that episode was my mind control. They mm. controlled my mind into like the only like part that I really liked was when they were sitting on the table at the dining, at, table? At the dining table and they were like messing with each other right I think it was she yeah. was messing with him was Carrie messing was, with him. Messing, Carrie with was messing with Tori and that was so reminiscent of Mythbusters that for a second my mind my mind went back to Mythbusters mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's it other than that it was like I think it was one of the funniest things and it's it's that's when the show does its best yeah, that was a really, f- I think that was probably one of the funner moments of the five episodes when they're sitting there and at one point the thing fails and he's just sort of stuck in a position. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but again, not mind control. No. Yeah, they're just hurting each other and I'm right. actually enjoying it, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is that <laughs> cool. <laughs> now, the ability to freeze that Grant... Again, he may he. I mean, he spends the whole episode making this ability to freeze thing, and uh, I thought that was again very close to the rain. Like he actually made something that worked, you know. And when as he's going through making it, he's like, "Oh, well, you have to be in order in a freezing environment." He's like, "Okay, well, this is, this doesn't work." 
but then he figured a way of just adding water to to the thing and yeah it works it's not practical because it'll take forever to freeze somebody but at least it worked like how you would see it on a cartoon yes you know so, but quite know. an elaborate setup for that to happen yes it's very elaborate very difficult it's not practical at all no I gotta tell you, my my own personal favorite was was the jet wing, right? Because you know, uh, the, I don't know if everybody, but a lot of people have that fantasy of of flight, of being able to fly like a bird or like Superman, yeah. and that is the thing that comes the absolute closest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, though it was astronomically expensive. <laughs> right, one hundred ninety thousand dollars. Yeah, you can't afford that if you're a regular person. Of course, you have to have training and all that. But, but I thought that that was probably because it was already happening. Right. I thought right. that was the, the one that made the most sense. Right. It it already flies at 200 miles per hour. Yeah. You you only get 15 minutes of flight, and and I guess you can't land. You have to land with a parachute. But you know, it's still your landing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was impressive. It was very impressive, and yeah. and you say, well, it's only fifteen minutes of flight. That's still fifty miles, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. quite a bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that that one was quite impressive to me. And yeah, you have to launch from a helicopter. There's things that still need to work out, but you could see how that at one point could lead to an actual flight. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. What was it? It used to be in a Bond movie, the little jetpack that, that. Oh yeah. From jetpack. from the eighties or whatever. Yeah, I think I think they they initially started working on that in the '60s. Those jetpacks, those little jetpacks, right? Yeah. But that thing would literally lift you up and then put you right back down. Yes, this was actual flight, and it was very very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that the other one that was impressive to me was when they started talking about invisibility. I'm like, oh well, this is just going to be the the whole idea of the cameras that look at the front and then project in the back and look and project to the front. Mm-hmm. Right, and and it was actually interesting when they showed that building that yeah. they're planning on doing. That's that's going to do that. That's going to do that. Um, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, but when he actually went to a lab and they showed the idea of bending light to make something disappear, and how they've managed to do it to in a very small degree, it was actually pretty impressive. It was, uh, you know, but it, you rely on the power of the lens to bend the light. Right. Yeah. Now uh, the cloak one has been around for a while. I, I think mm-hmm. the that you know those, that was the early experiment with the cloak. Uh, seven, eight, nine years. I remember seeing it mm-hmm. a while ago. Yeah. So it's interesting to see where that particular technology will be in the next ten years. Right. Yeah, and I remember I, I've been to uh, the Comic Con that happens here in DC, and I, I once saw a guy where he was basically wearing an iPad in the front and an iPad in the back, and they were. Um, what is it called? What the iPhone does is um, tethered. No, they weren't tethered. They were doing the the call, the video call, conferring base basically. FaceTime. Yeah, FaceTime. So basically, the front iPad was looking at the front and putting it in the back iPad. Uh-huh. So you so you you could see right through the guy. Cool. You know, so that's the idea behind that kind of invisibility, and you know that's not that far from being able to happen. No. Right. It's just not an actual superpower. <laughs> No, but it'd be cool yeah. if it were like a cloak. That would be, mm-hmm. that would be very impressive. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and then the the last one was the super strength, which 
they just uh, they just show some basic some hydraulic suits, um, which you know I guess it is super strength, but it's more of a it's no different than a forklift that somebody's wearing really. Yeah, well, you know what I got to tell you that that one I was the most surprised about. Really? <clears throat> yeah, and I, and the and the reason I was surprised about it is because the first patent was from 1890. Oh yeah, you know that was that was that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, so somebody has been trying to work on this for over a hundred years, and this is the closest we've we've come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So overall, where do you rank? Where do you guys rank this episode? Out of the top, out of the five, where do you rank this episode? I guess it depends I, on our criteria, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I. I think this was the best episode <laughs> yeah me too do you yeah i think so i'm i'm mixed um mm-hmm. on the point of making and actually mm-hmm. uh being uh, creative i would say mm-hmm. it probably ranks at at the top right but as far as entertainment value i found some of the other ones more entertaining and more interesting see i thought there were more there was more to learn but let's go through them all and then at the end we'll say which one we like best and let's just do yeah. that instead all right, so episode two was the jailbreak. Um, yeah, some impressive jailbreaks. <laughs> some impressive jailbreaks. Yeah. Not a lot of making, though. Um, no, in fact, I don't think any making. No, there was. Well, the, there was making because yeah. they did the balloon, right? They, the he, balloon. Yeah, right. Oh, you know what? You <laughs> are absolutely right. They reenacted. They reenacted the uh, that East German yeah. escape. Right, yes. the balloon escape. That's yeah. the one I woke up for. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I was like, "Oh, there's fire. That's kind of interesting. Well, let me see." Mm-hmm. And then I like, like stuck around to it. Right. So there were. Let's just run through them real quick. There was um, the wardrobe, which now I can't remember what that was. Yeah, I don't know. They they named those things kind of funny, so I just gave them my own names. Yeah. There was the one where the, the semi. Right. There was the. They call it the mother trucker. For some oh, reason. is that what they called it? Yeah. Yeah. There was El Chapo, yeah. El Chapo's escape, which also was interesting because that was quite a feat of engineering. It was, yeah. Um, there was the one where she dresses, oh, the wardrobe is the one where the guy dresses like a woman. Yeah. Which again, bring. I'm I, surprised I, he got outside. <laughs> yes, I am too, especially when they show the actual picture of the guy, but it brings yeah. nothing to the table as far as, inter- I, I didn't think it was. Or... It, and yeah, there's nothing that entertaining about it. It's kind of like a fun story. Yeah. More than anything. There was a guy that escaped in the helicopter. <clears throat> that was pretty impressive. That was pretty impressive how well, how quickly they did that. Well, and, and they kind of mentioned that point, is the guy, he's known for this. This is his third time. Right. That's how he escapes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the POW camp one was also very impressive. Yes. In that this 120 POW escaped, uh, was it Germany? I forget now. Uh, yeah, uh, it was a uh, a German prison camp. Right, but that was also digging a tunnel. No, that's fine. That was also digging a tunnel, much like El Chapo's. El Chapo's escape, because you don't necessarily think of that, I mean, the, 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 <laughs> they dug a mile and a half tunnel. Yeah, quite a, and, quite a and, Right, and landed right below his actual cell. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's, that's impressive. But I think the one that ended up ranked number one, and deservedly so, was the balloon escape, because that is amazing that they got that off the ground. You know what? Yeah, I, I was I was impressed with that. And when you think about the story of 
of the uh, two families that had mm-hmm. no other choice but to risk right. their lives to escape. And they did it all clandestinely in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And, and the secret police were looking for them. Right. Uh, yeah, it's quite an impressive story. Yeah, and, you know, I've no, I, until I watched this, I had no idea how you, would, how you make a hot air balloon. Or, you know, I understood the basics of how it worked. But I really didn't know how, you know, all the specifics of it. Yeah, now you want to build one in the backyard. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought that was pretty cool, and I, I thought it was interesting that he made it. So, so yeah. All right, let's go to episode three. Episode three was the crazy World War Two weapons. Oh yeah, I love those. And uh, again, some funny stories and some interesting sort of anecdotes. But they, I mean, they made one thing again. She this time Carrie makes one of them. Yeah. Um, right. Because the, uh, so there was the the her Hitler is what they called it, which is <laughs> them trying to sneak estrogen into Hitler's food. <laughs> right. Yeah. Crazy. Again, very crazy. The bad bombs were interesting. <laughs> yeah. Now I've heard of the bad bombs before. I knew that was a thing that they experimented right. with. Right. Well, I guess they made another thing because they also tested out the pigeon bomb. Yeah, the feasibility they tested. They tested how feasible it was, yeah. yeah. The, what was, how do you pronounce this? Panandrum? Pajandrum? Pajandrum, yeah. The Pajandrum. The Hygiel. Hygiel. And the, they call it the Who Me, which was really a stink bomb. Yeah, I call it stink sauce. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they also tested that one out, I guess. Um but again, a lot of these were stories. The the panandrum was funny. It, the the funny part about this and the interesting part about this episode is that you just couldn't believe these were all actual weapons that were considering at one point. Yeah. You know, um, which one of these ones did you think was the most absurd? Um, estrogenical Hitler. I gotta tell you, that one was was quite ridiculous. <laughs> what about you, Claudia? And I. I kept on waking up and closing my my eyes, and I would see Hitler like dancing, <laughs> crawling around, and I was like, "Okay, I'm going back to sleep." Okay, now I will tell you that that was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> Hitler with funny. boobs dancing in a field, yeah. like like the wearing sound of music. Yeah. Was he wearing a skirt? I think he was wearing a skirt. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, that had, and again, the skits were unnecessary for most of it. That had some of the funnier skits, and like they show him at the dinner table. And one of the oh, one yes. of his one of his soldiers has like a little bit of schmutz, and he's like, "Oh, here!" And he wipes her for him, and I yeah. think he licks it and then wipes it again. It was, it was just funny because they were like, "Oh, he'll become motherly." Yeah. Um, so they were building on jokes. Yeah, they they were. <laughs> I mean, but even then, it, it sort of went a little too long. I, but you know, I think those skits actually work a little bit because. Mm-hmm. Because they had actual real actors in them, right? So they were yeah. they worked much better, right? Yeah, it wasn't them playing the skit. Yeah, right. Um, out of the actual machines, though, I think to me the more ridiculous one was the idea of having a pigeon pilot a bomb. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's funny because we look at it now and that seems ridiculous, but you know back then they when they didn't have a way to do it. It, it seems kind of genius that the, that the solution could be so simple. 
I guess, but the thing of it is, is like you're not even using the pigeon's flight ability to. No, 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 no. Yeah, <laughs> he is literally pecking at a screen to direct the bomb. Yeah, <laughs> like you could put anything in there. You might as well put a cat in there and have him paw at the thing. Yeah. See, what's funny is that I didn't even notice that. I, all I noticed were, were again, it, I woke up and I was like, there's pigeons. And Jose looks at me, he's like, at least there's pigeons. Claudia, you like pigeons. Yeah. And I, and I just couldn't make sense of what was happening, so I went back to sleep. <laughs> but now I'm, I guess I missed, I missed some, <laughs> some silly yeah. stuff. Well, but I like the test. The test that they right. did actually proved how feasible it really was. Right. Well, feasible, it worked. <laughs> she, the, the, the pigeon managed to move the drone to the target. Which I think says more about the power of a pigeon learning to peck at a specific thing to get a treat. Yeah. It does because that drone was moving really slow. It was, yeah. You know, so I don't know. It, it was again interesting, and I guess at least they made something to test the theory. But you don't actually see them make the thing either. So no, no. Um. So in that sense, the the best one here was the hide. Agile. Agile, yeah. Agile, which is the idea that you could drop something without a parachute, get rockets to ignite at the precise time that it would slow it down so it lands gently. Mm -hmm. Right? And that way they, they could do that without somebody shooting down whatever they were dropping or whatever. Yeah. Um, she kind of got it to work. Yeah, and, and when you think about it, the, uh, the technology has been used... 60 years later, it works. Right. But at yeah, the time, and, they couldn't do it. Right. And that was the thing that was the most interesting. When she says, this is essentially what they did with the Curiosity rover. That's what NASA basically did in Mars. Yeah. You know? But that when you have such thin air, you can't use a parachute. Right. Hmm. Yeah. So in that sense, that's kind of cool. You learn something, you know? And I think that's... Amongst the silliness and the... Half there, half not there. Experiments. You're learning stuff from some of these episodes. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. But I think uh, I think they need to focus on that. You know. Right. And uh, narrow their their energy because I think they're wasting a lot of time and energy and, and production on all, all the skits and bad jokes. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Let's go to episode four. Which, uh, to me, this is when it started going off the rails. Because episode four was the scams. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't even write down all the scams. There was the, the guy that was just... I got him if you want me to... Yeah, yeah why don't you run through the, for the scams? Uh, the Swiss gigolo. Right, so that's the yeah. guy that was going after women. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, young to uh, maybe 30s or so, investment banker, mm -hmm. sed seducing and scamming... Uh, much older ladies, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, the rainmaker, the guy he who yeah. claimed he could make rain at will. Right. Um, the cutter gang that that figured out a way to cheat at baccarat. Yeah. And of course, uh, as as everyone would know him, uh, Carlo Ponzi was his Ponzi scheme. Mm -hmm. Which to me that was the most interesting one because you learned where the the Ponzi scheme came from. Yeah. Like, I knew that he was a scammer. I didn't realize that it started in earnest as a real legitimate business thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the one that I found very interesting was the Dale. I had no idea that ever happened. Which so one was that one? 
The Dale was the fake car that they oh yeah yeah, yeah. The they swindled investment uh, investors into uh, believing mm-hmm. it was a real thing. Yeah, the three wheeled car. Yeah. Yes. And then, of course, uh, selling the Eiffel Tower for scrap. Yeah. <laughs> selling the Eiffel Tower is so ridiculous. I can't believe people fell for that. Well, 100 years ago, you got to imagine. Well, and, yeah, 100 years ago, it was supposed to come down, right? It, yeah, it, it was, was supposed, supposed to be a be temporary structure. And, yeah. For the World's Fair, and nobody really thought it was going to be. And people were complaining about it. Right. Yeah. And, then, and then that guy went on to come to the U.S. and, like, scammed Al Capone even. Yeah. At one point, yeah. But what I couldn't believe is not only did he sell the Eiffel Tower, he sold it twice. He managed to pull the same scam twice in the span of two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's kind of brilliant, yeah. really. It is. And again, these are all interesting stories. Like, at this point, to me, this show seems like it should be more like the History Channel yes. than, than it should be this sort of descendant of Mythbusters. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Because there was, again, nothing was made here. The Baccarat one is the closest one to somebody using technology or something to to do anything in this episode. Because the guy had a camera and he, you know, it, it, and they never got caught. But, like, it's just not, to, to me, just this sort of exemplifies how this is not the descendant of the Mythbusters that I thought it was going to be. Yeah. yeah, and I think at this point is like, so one of the things I, I was thinking about, I, I looked at some reviews for the show. And there was one review about, you know, how feasible... There's, like, a, a page on that. I need to look at the page again. But um, about whether a show is good for parents, for, for kids. Is it a family show or not? And it kind of ranks them. And for this particular show, I mean, it, it, it received high rankings because of the educational value. But the topics were not of interest of to old kids. You know, it's very, like, history-driven. Yeah. Except the the techie stuff, which is probably what m- most kids would like geared to. Well, um, see, and that's what shows to me the decline. Because from the first episode, when they start with the superhero one, it's like, okay, so this is something parents could watch with their kids and stuff. But once it gets to this point, at one point, they're in a bar drinking as he's yes. telling this story. Yeah. And like, they're getting drunk. Yeah. Or I'm assuming they're pretending to be drunk because I, I didn't really buy they were actually drunk. Yeah, right? I didn't buy that either. Right, and then they cut away to, again, the, the, the magical screen thing where they're watching themselves being drunk, and they're like, oh, that was a great time. <laughs> but it's like, what, what are you doing? Like, what, what was the point of that? The story didn't even have anything to do with alcohol. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like this off-color situations that you just don't right. know. Like, they're just silly, and there's really no purpose to them. So it's, for kids, I mean, like they, they also say it's like ages 10 or above, because then you have to explain a lot of stuff to, the, to your kids, but it gives you some historical context i guess so it's it's not bad i think the other thing is uh gender wise mm-hmm. um because it's not solely focused on technology and there's a lot of history behind it i mean the the hitler thing right <laughs> while funny mm-hmm. it's also very gender biased right it's like making fun of like gender issues and like, yeah. what kind of what kind of message are you giving to kids when you when you're kind of poking fun at that? And it's okay to do that, but yeah, I think when you stop and think about it, it is a little um, what's the word uh, transphobic, if you will, <laughs> when you think about it. Um, yes. But they look, I mean, but they are to be fair to them, they are looking at it from a purely historical yeah. standpoint. And how they at, at that point, there's probably no need for the skid of the guy 
explaining all of the things that are going to change about him or whatever. But yeah, I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, but I mean, if then you start thinking about like kids watching unsupervised Netflix, mm-hmm. right? Because right. that happens. Yeah. So what happens to that? You know, like or somebody made a, a brave thing. Like oh, the the I think it was in the uh, what was it called the. Which one of the episodes? Yeah, the one that, uh, the lightning one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know, they call that a very ballsy move. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, you know, like, it's very gender-driven, like, okay, you know, males are supposed to do this technology. Mm-hmm. Well, Mythbusters wasn't like that. I, I thought the fact that, you know, so Katie, she's there, she makes a really good presence. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, like, if it is going to be a historic show, like, or including historical stories then they need to be a little more careful about yeah i mean i think the skits and the goofiness went off the rails quite a few times in this show yeah and you know i i can see your point about the whole hitler thing being a little bit uh insensitive Mm -hmm. but it is hitler so (laughs) i think you're willing to forgive i think yeah you you know when you're making fun of hitler i think anything goes Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, but not to say that trans people no, no, no. could be like Hitler, right. you know? And, and <laughs> I will say this. It is, I think people still make certain jokes that were used to be made in the 90s and early 2000s because it wasn't, you know, the atmosphere has changed. Like, if you go back and watch some of the movies from, here's a perfect example, uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detectives, right? Yeah. yeah. Everybody That's watched really that show, everybody watched that movie and it was hilarious at the time and but when you think about it, at the very end, it gets very transphobic. Yes. To the point where you probably couldn't make that movie anymore. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Right. So I think there's still a little bit of that in our society where people make these jokes, not fully realizing, oh, it's a little bit insensitive. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I, I do agree with you on that. Yeah, and at least address it. You know, like right. I think that if you address it, just say it. I mean, you're already including so much. And this, I mean, that's all. Right. Like, all they needed to do was, like, maybe when they cut back to them sitting in front of the magical screen, they could have been like, well, that that idea was a bit transphobic or something like that. Like, just acknowledge it. Yeah. Yeah. Acknowledge, acknowledge that that's what exactly. it was. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that. Yeah. And then you can move on, yeah. you know, and then, like, okay. But I mean, to go along with it, in this episode, while they're sitting there having shots at a bar, they're talking about a guy that bets women to steal money from them. Yes. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? It's sort of a little bit like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's, I don't want to take away from it because I think there's a lot to be learned from the show, but... So, so which, yeah. one of the, which one of this was your favorite uh, scam? I gotta say that my my own personal. I guess we should say which one won, or yeah, yeah, yeah. When you yeah. go ahead, say the uh, ranking. Yeah, uh, the Ponzi scheme won, and for mm. you know, for obvious reasons, at the time when he did that, that was the very first first time yeah. first time he did it, and uh, he was quite successful. I mean, that was mm. that was the whole thing, and of course, he has given it the name that we use to this day, a hundred years later. Right. So I think yeah, I think that probably. Uh, is the one that for longevity uh, mm-hmm. wins but the one that I was most impressed with was the the uh, the Baccarat cheats yeah yeah me too it was quite a complex way to they mm-hmm. devise to cheat it and the size of the gang they think it's right. 70 members and they've mm-hmm. never been caught and they've been doing it for years yep yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the, the most interesting one to me because one because you know casinos 
have everything on their side to make money and make so much money that if you get to cheat the casino, cheat the casino. Yeah. So, yeah. Not that I'm telling people to do that. Don't, don't go cheating we a casino. We are not advocating no. crimes here. Don't go cheating a casino and then yeah. tell them that I told you to do it. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're barking about nothing, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, so episode five, the heist. I, this is what, like, I, I just got done with, after the scam one, I, I barely watched this episode. So why don't you tell us a little bit about it, Ray? <laughs> yes. Cause I did watch the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. There's, there was, uh, you know, it's the format of the show remains the same. They, they present yep. six cases and then they, they, uh, rate it according to three criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, and personally, I think I'd like to see them change that a little bit. It doesn't always have to be six cases. And, yeah. uh, you know, some of these things can be more complex that you don't need to have strictly three criteria, mm-hmm. but, but that's another thing. And I'm, uh, maybe they'll, they'll explore that in the next five, yeah. um, which I don't know if you guys are watching, but, but I got enough interest in it that I think I will watch the other, the, the remaining episodes. Well, I think I will too, because I just, just by the titles of them, there were a couple of them that interested me right off the bat. Um, I think the heist thing I wasn't as interesting because I've seen plenty of, like and I saw they were gonna do DB Cooper which I which is yeah of, very common right I've seen so much about DB Cooper I didn't need to see that again so but go ahead yeah so they had six cases um, one was uh, the robbery at Hatton Gardens hmm. um, that one was impressive because all of the members were were sectogenarians uh, <laughs> sectogenarians or more I mean some of them were were in their seventies hmm. so. It was all, they call it the granddad gang. They were all older guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one was the, uh, the car bank. Yeah, the car bank gang. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mispronouncing it. It's the car, yeah, no, the car bank gang. Um, which was impressive because they've stolen over a billion dollars in assets and never, no one knows who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the theft of the Bill of, of Rights in North Carolina in 1865. Um, and that was an interesting story. Uh, the D.B. Cooper one, which uh, I'm sure most of our listeners right. are familiar with. Um, yeah. the art th- there was an art thief in the 2000s in France that stole uh, about a uh, billion dollars plus mm-hmm. in art just to have it in his own personal collection. Yeah. And a lot of lived, people do that. <laughs> and he lived in his mom's basement. Yeah. 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 Um, and then um, what was a- an interesting one uh, that they, uh, and I don't remember the gentleman's name, but uh, they call him D.B. Tuber instead of D.B. Cooper. <laughs> and it was a very elaborate heist of a, that a former football player decided to rob a, a um, armored car. And he did it very cleverly by putting an ad out for a fake job mm-hmm. and for people who wanted to get the job to show up in uh, a hat, a, a blue shirt, a work vest, jeans, and work boots. Mm-hmm. So 30 people showed up for a job that didn't exist, and he blended right in with them. And he, he uh, stole money out of a, of a armored car mm-hmm. and uh, got away. And the reason they call him Tuber is that he ran to the creek where he had a, a, an inner tube waiting for him. He hopped in the inner tube and floated down the creek. And so everybody was looking at roads and sidewalks mm-hmm. and everything else, they didn't notice him escaping through, through the so, river in an inner tube. <laughs> you know, yeah, on an inner tube. 
And uh, what's weird is that he was caught from DNA evidence, mm-hmm. even though he there was hardly any DNA evidence to be found. So that was a very impressive case. Yeah. But yeah, but the Haddon which one, Gardens... Which, which one won? <laughs> the one that won um, was the, the Car Bank Gang, which is a, uh, it's a group of black hat um, hackers. And what right, they were right. doing was hacking uh, banks, mm-hmm. uh, hacking bank accounts. And what they would do is they would artificially inflate. Let's The example they use is, let's say you had a, an account with $10,000. Well, they would inflate it to $100,000 and then transfer 90000 out of that account into, mm-hmm. a, into their own account. And then it would happen so quickly that no one, even the person who actually owned that account, would never notice that there was something funny that happened there. Hmm. And it took them years to discover that this was going on. Hmm. Yes, that's quite clever. Yeah, and uh, scary as a matter of fact, because uh, the, the whole way that our financial system works is that we all have confidence that... Uh, those digital numbers that you see on your account, which are not dollars, are just digital numbers, right. are accurate and correct. And when you start, somebody outside the system starts manipulating it, well, you lose confidence in it. So it's quite scary financially to, I think, to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. Um, I think to me it's hard to see the D.B. Cooper as part of this because there's just so many questions of it about it they still don't know i mean he might not have even survived yes and and they did cover that yeah. um, nobody really yeah. knows right so it, it's just I, I don't think that should have been in the, the ranking to begin with i get it. it's a very well-known historical heist but even the whole episode I just don't maybe it's just i gotta change my mind thought about <clears throat> what the show is that it just didn't seem to me like it fit yeah you could have a preconceived notion that you're in conflict with right so, all right, well, I mean, those are the five episodes. I think good points and bad points. Let's sort of talk generally what, what after going through the five episodes, what do we think <coughs> of the show? Like, where, where do you guys rank? Well, I guess first, what's your favorite? What was your favorite episode? Yeah, well, for, for me, I would say the first episode was my favorite one because mm-hmm. it actually, it was more focused. Mm-hmm. It seemed like there was a specific, yeah, it was a little reminiscent of Mythbusters, but not that, you know, I was expecting something exactly like that, but they were, they are building on that audience. Mm-hmm. So that was my first, like the, the one that I liked the most. All the other ones, I just, I, I really, I couldn't stay mm-hmm. engaged. Mm-hmm. What about you, Ray? Which one was your favorite episode? Um, I gotta say that I don't have a favorite. Um, I like them all about equally, um, and it's funny that, that the episode you guys like the most mm-hmm. was my least favorite. Really? I yeah. Mean, I... be, be, and, and not from the standpoint of making. From the standpoint of making, I thought was uh, the one that was the heaviest in that. And, and mm-hmm. in that regard, it was, it was, if I'm looking at just that criteria, it was probably the best one. Mm-hmm. But as far as entertainment value, I found some of the other ones more entertaining than, um, than, the, the, than the first one. <clears throat> For me, from my point of view, if this show is sort of the descendant of the Mythbusters, and I think episode one is the closest to that, yes. if you want to look at it from its own perspective of where they're clearly trying to <clears throat> tell stories about things, 
<clears throat> if, we're, if you're looking at it from the point of view where they want to tell stories about history as well as do experiments, then in that sense, episode three, the crazy World War II weapons, is sort of the most of what maybe this show's trying to be. Yes, I agree. Um, because there were experiments, there were crazy stories, there were experiments about history things. Um, so in that sense, probably, you know, that should be the one that's... The, the benchmark. Of this, yeah, of this kind of thing. They had their skits that they love. They had their experiments. They had the stories. I, I, you know. And I'll say this. I still don't understand why it's called The White Rabbit Project. Yeah, I don't know that either. And um, I guess it's maybe an Alice uh, in Wonderland kind of reference how far down the rabbit hole you can go. And they right. actually say those exact they say words. That, right. yeah. Yeah, they, they, they said it a couple of times, like, I don't, we, we're going to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, and for me, if you're gonna if you're gonna make that kind of reference and you're gonna say go down the rabbit hole, it should be really strange and weird. Right. None of these things were strange or weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think the World War Two ones comes the closest to being the strange closest, and weird yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and in that sense, I agree with you that maybe they should only each put forward one story. You know, like and and spend time testing it and yeah really digging into so it. not six stories maybe not six yeah yeah, yeah th- i think it's a bit much with the six right and you know you you also bring up a very interesting point that the when you say that you know the one that was most like mythbusters being the first episode mm-hmm. and i'm wondering if that's part of the plan they make that first episode because people are mm-hmm. expecting something mythbuster like you watch it you're like okay well that's kind of interesting you get a little bit of investment, and mm-hmm. then you are be willing to watch the rest. If they had led with the heist one, they mm-hmm. probably would have, have have would not have had any right. viewers after that. So I think you might have hit it on the head with that whole analogy, uh, because the reality is the way the other four episodes went, mm-hmm. you don't need three hosts. One one host is enough. That's true. You yeah. didn't really need. You don't really need all three of them, aside from the fact that it's. Well, here's the other thing, because aside from the first one, you didn't really get the sense of, like, I. it's a competition to see who can put the best story forward. No. That sort of gets lost. Yeah, so, I mean, we have to be cognizant that we only watched five. Right. And the way, that, the way that this production sometimes work, and, and I agree with Ray in this thing, if you... Some of the reviews, some people said that their favorite episode was episode seven, mm-hmm. which is titled Tech We Love to Hate. Tech we love to hate. Yes, you see, I huh. saw that. I right? saw that name, and that interests me. Like, I and then when you start seeing other, like from you know episode, um, let's see, episode eight is where's my hoverboard, mm-hmm. you know, and then episode nine is called invented before its time, mm-hmm. and then the final episode is speed freaks, mm-hmm. right? So they become yeah. more, um, again, in topic wise, they're less his- historic, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that they improved it in that they're combining present day and his and historic tech. Like right. that would be one way. But what's really important is that perhaps they did all of these shows and they started like the idea was sort of like this jailbreak, the the heist or the crazy, you know, World War Two weapons. That was their idea for the for the white rabbit. Mm-hmm. But then they realized, oh, this isn't this like you know because they do testing right they have like a specific audience that reads it that, that watches the shows before well what they must have done and is... then they moved the super power tech 
to be the first one because that probably that was the feedback they received that you know Mm -hmm. hey we were expecting basically what Wright said we were expecting a Mythbusters so start off with that right because you can tell that because of the way they start the first episode it just sort of jumps right into it they've clearly recorded all these shows and then they're showing them at whatever order and Mythbusters used to do that Right, I, yes. I've heard enough of Adam Savage talk about how they record the shows or how they recorded the shows that they would go out and do a lot of the experiment part of it first and then shoot the studio thing. So they would basically end up with like the whole season and then put them out. Yeah, you know, so that's probably what happened here. Mm-hmm. You know, they maybe they did a pilot episode where they probably were mostly in the studio and then they filmed everything else and did the experiments even and everything and then put them out at whatever order they can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that for those like Ray who, you know, because Ray, you mentioned you wanted to watch this, you wanted to continue watching the show, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm just only... to see where it goes. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's the case that it will be interesting to see if it continues this, this pattern that I've seen, which is like too many stories, too many ideas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, really bad acting at times in the reenactments, yeah. you know, well, interviews, which I, I appreciated the interviews, but, mm-hmm. and then, you know, just a little bit of building. I wonder if that pattern continues or not, and it'll be cool if you can update us on on that because I'm not gonna watch it. Cause <laughs> okay, so I guess that I'm fall asleep. <laughs> that answers the question because I was gonna say we a couple of things we need to answer before we end the topic is one is where do we where, where do we put the show like you know with our patented ranking of <laughs> it's either the best show ever or the worst show ever, and two we have to decide if there's gonna be an episode two of this where we watch the next five. <laughs> I guess yeah. Claudia's out on that. I'm out <laughs> on that part of it. Um, I'm I'm okay with <laughs> watching the next five and doing a second half of this. I'm guessing you are as well, right? Yeah, I, uh, I I'm definitely gonna watch just to see where it goes. Um, and and I agree with you. Some of the titles for the for the other episodes are much more interesting sounding. So yeah. I'm curious, very Me curious too. how how they will pan out. All right, so you've been outranked, Claudia. You're going to have to watch the next part. We're going to do a second part of this. Or, or she'll be conveniently absent. Yes, she exactly. might that episode. Maybe we do, like, other shows that are also, like... Well, there's going to be other shows coming. And maybe like, we do, like... No, I mean, like, within the show, you know, no. this is one of them, one of three. Mm-hmm. And how about if we do, you know, a theme, and then we do six stories, and then we do reenactments, and then we do... <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, you're losing me. You're losing me. <laughs> Oh boy. Anyway, so all right, so best show ever, worst show ever. I know where you stand, Claudia. Yeah, because it's um, not a STEM show. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm gonna be neutral on it. I, I'm not one way or the other yet. Well, I think I'm sticking to it, <laughs> and uh, since I was interested enough, I'm gonna. Do this. It's the best show ever. So. It's binge worthy. Yeah. Okay. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not binge worthy. <laughs> There we go. That's a good. That's a good yeah. end. It's not binge worthy. Yeah, you probably don't take your time binge. with it. <laughs> um, all right, so we will take a break from it for us for a bit and get back to the second half of this episode on a future episode. All right. Um, so now let's go on to our next segment, which will be the product of the week. All right, so now it's time for our product of the week. Um, This week's product of the week is brought to you by Kickstarter, and it's from the people over at Kittables. 
and it's the DIY mini Lego drone kit. Now the people at Kitbolt have had other um, other Kickstarters before this one, but essentially is a affordable do-it-yourself mini drone, and it's uh, it's used made using Lego. It's uh, I thought it was pretty interesting. They've made their money, so this is going to go through. Um, and they have a couple of levels where you can even get a, a, a mini one made out of Legos that are made of metal, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So what do you guys think about this product? I thought it was, it was interesting uh, because this whole drone thing is, is very popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's kind of limiting the people who can partake into it because of the cost. Right. So at 50 bucks to get started and it's not you know one of those... Chinese kind of deals um, seems like a like a pretty worthwhile I wouldn't say investment because you know how these things can be but it seems like it's a risk that is worth taking right and especially because it's easily fixable because it's made of Lego and I would even imagine yeah. it's probably easily expandable too if you know enough you can probably mess with it yeah you know? well and and part of the aspect that I like about it and what makes it affordable is that they're not selling you a complete drone. They're just putting you putting in a kit of parts, and right. you build it yourself. Yep. And that's one of the aspects that makes it so affordable is that there's no labor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Larry? So you guys are saying that it's affordable at about fifty to sixty nine dollars uh, to seventy dollars for a kit of the drone, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. When compared to drones, you know. Yeah. Well, I think it's cool because you're making it. Mm-hmm. But what I so watching the video about the company itself. Um, Kickables, I, I noticed that they're one of their main priorities is you know, to be more inclusive so that the maker movement is more inclusive. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. You know, and they say, like, there's a lot of people being left out, which says to the to the cost. But then when they specify which people they're focusing on is they actually say, well, older generations. And their view is that the the, the younger that this is most of the maker movement, tinkering movement, is um, specifically for an audience that is young and that is male. Mm-hmm. And while that's true, and I'm really happy that they're doing this because that's the that's the key. What are they doing? You know, doing Legos. Legos are are multi gender, and also yeah. like right, and then also even multi generational because you you like as a parent you play with your kids Legos when they're playing, right? I have my own Legos. Yeah, so or step on them. <laughs> exactly or step on them <laughs> so that in itself they're already like doing their sort of like following their main mission or their priority but um it's i think that the price itself that's the reason why they they went with a long like 50 dollars and 75 dollars for a small um drone kit because i think older people can pay for that mm-hmm. easily as well mm-hmm. right. yeah um I thought, I mean, I, I hadn't heard of this company before today, but it, it gave me the feel of sort of the, you know, friends of the show, the Make Great and and companies like that that are sending this sort of kits out for people to make. But this one's even more affordable because I believe the Make Great's a little bit more expensive than that. Um, yeah, but they don't have that many. That they don't many, have as many. Yeah, that many projects. Right. Like, no, but did you yeah. catch, part of it is, you can back this, but not take the kit for yourself. You're yeah, basically like donating that. the kit to somebody that would need it. Yes. Which I thought was great to, to uh, right yeah, off the bat. Yeah, me too. 
Because yeah. how many companies are doing that? How many how many Kickstarters are doing that? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I think all around, yeah, well, it may still have its flaws in the process. I think it's moving in the right direction and doing the right things in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it looks yeah. nice, too. I like the, the the box the box feeling of it and mm-hmm. all of it. Because they, they also have a uh, solar USB portable charger kit mm-hmm. and a Bluetooth speaker kit. Yeah. So. yeah, and, you know, I think the thing that it said to me is that part of it is that they're also trying to get this make movement to people that don't have the ability of going to use a laser or use a 3D printer and all those things, you know. Um, so I think this is it's a good step in that direction. You know, it's an introduction into the, yes. the making. So. And I must say it is a woman-owned company, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm always appreciative of that and she seems to be really cool really dope yeah and i think she did a very good job because she's the one speaking in the video mm-hmm. and i thought she did a really good job explaining what their company's trying to do so mm-hmm. yep cool all right so that's the product of the week we are again not associated with any of these companies um if anybody wants to associate us with them please let us know <laughs> <laughs> we're willing to associate yes, we're willing to be associated with them so yes. and, uh, and cool. we will yeah, we would be more than happy to uh, review different products in an ob- in an objectionable. Yeah. No, I'm sorry, in an obje- <laughs> not <laughs> yes, objectionable. Not objectionable. Freudian slip there, huh? <laughs> yeah, that, that's a <laughs> yeah. Yes, we will take it very seriously and be yes. uh, unbiased about the review. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> with that, let's move on to what are we working on, <laughs> seeing or reading. Yeah. All right, so our next segment is uh, what are we all working on? What are we seeing? What are we reading? Uh, Claudia, you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I am working on one of my failures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we talked about this before and how, you know, like you have to learn from fail from failures. And um, last week I mentioned I was going to be working on some grants. Mm-hmm. And I realized how these particular grants in storm in stormwater management uh, community stormwater water management uh, uh, projects, so like a rain garden for a for a school for a PTO, right? For a, an elementary school, like the grant process is really difficult. Mm-hmm. In that, if you don't partner up with someone who, with an organization that's like basically creates this, like has written these plenty of these grants for themselves. And just using the community as a, as a, um, almost as a as a marketing tool, in order for them to have more grants mm-hmm. and more, more money to continue doing that, it's just become an, an industry basically. You can't do it on your own. You mm-hmm. just so, that that was a really a big eye opener. So one thing definitely give myself more time to do this grant, but the other thing is um, change the system. Because mm-hmm. it's really unfair that community-based organizations and just you know a regular community uh, member who was who wants to do something for their school or as a parent or whatever they can't really do it. Mm-hmm. They have to be dependent on nonprofit industrial complex players, and that's really wrong. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyways, but um, on that note, there are other grants on solar jobs. And I think there's that's that's actually going to be more productive because 
organizing co-ops. We went to a really cool meeting about yeah. co-ops and collectives, specifically mm -hmm. for workforce. And I think that was like very much eye-opening. And that has a lot to do with making mm -hmm. because you are making a, um, you're creating a, an alternative process or an alternative system. Mm -hmm. And that takes a lot of ingenuity. That's cool. Yeah. So I've been working on that kind of stuff. Cool, cool, cool. Um, uh, for myself, uh, it's a couple of things. One thing that I forgot to mention last week, so I'll bring it this week. I watched, or we watched, a movie called The Architect. Um, Is that the one with uh, Brian Dennehy? Uh, it, hmm, I don't know. No, I'm sorry, it that's had, Belly of the Architect. Yeah, no, it had um, the guy from Will and Grace, I forget his name. Eric McCormick. Yes, he plays the husband, he's not the architect. Um, terrible movie, <laughs> do not watch this movie. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess watch it if you want to see everything that's, that's misrepresented about how architecture firms work and how, <laughs> how, the, how the process of making a house goes. Um, yeah, There's just, a love affair. Yeah, he the, the <laughs> architect ends up having an affair with the wife, and and then they break. It's just there, and then he. It turns out he's. Don't, the, yeah, I don't want to spoil it. Don't, don't give the bad spoiler away. It's it's just, a bad this spoiler. almost sounds like my like my life story. Yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> this, it quite. almost does. Yeah. <laughs> not quite. You, 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 you were, no, no, not quite. This is a ter terrible, bad CGI when they're in the in the this crazy modern house. I think your story is better, right? Is it? <laughs> yes, yeah, your okay. story, yeah. and that that tells you a lot. There's production. Yeah. The production value to this movie was not definitely <laughs> worth it. Man, just the things they get wrong. It, like at one point they show up to see the model of the house and they had seen nothing up to that point. Like the guy had drawings finished and a full scale, like a like a scaled model, like takes up the whole table of the house and they had never seen a single design from him. Huh. And it's like, what? what? <laughs> That's not how it works. You don't know. No, do of course not. <laughs> so, They're calling you every three days. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> like they show up with a contractor ready to be like, all right, what is this going to cost? Yes. And they've never seen any drawings from the house. It's just, it's bad. But if you want to buy, watch a bad movie. And it's not an old movie, by the way. No, no it it's was at least 2015. 2016. Yeah, last <laughs> so just last year. Like, that tells you, yeah. like, why are people still doing this? Uh, watch it. Yeah, so we watched that. <laughs> and then the next thing I'm going to be working on is uh, I had downloaded a, a while back some uh, files to, to laser cut from, uh, from this guy's over at, it's called C4 Labs. And they had done a uh, a kit basically to laser cut a Millennium Falcon that would. Um, oh, so I yes. I took it and I scaled it down. I think theirs, if I remember correctly, it's, it ends up being about the size of an eight and a half by eleven sheet. Um, and I think it was made for like either a quarter inch or three sixteenth inch wood. So I've reduced it about a third. I'm gonna be making it, and I've cut it already. I'm gonna be putting it together out of like sixteenth inch thick wood. You can so make a video up, of it. Yeah, I'm going to make a video of it, and I'll put that up. I'm hoping to put that together tonight. We'll see how the day goes. Um, so I'm going to do that today. And uh, and I'm also, as Claudia mentioned, we went to this co-op thing. So I think I'm going to start working on a business plan for an architecture firm. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, that's my next. Uh, um, I know every year there's a, there's a group that not only that does a... Um, a competition where you can submit your business plan for your company and mm -hmm. you can get some funds to do that and I'm getting I'm you know I'm going to start gearing up this year to hopefully start my own firm in the awesome. next year or so so 
because um, I got some really good ideas from this this seminar that we went to that had to do with co-ops and business co-ops and things like that. So yeah. let me give a, a props to that yeah. organization. It's One DC, mm-hmm. and they have the um, Black Workforce Center in uh, Anacostia and Ward Eight, and here in the District of Columbia, so in mm-hmm. Washington DC. So they're doing amazing work, and they're changing the paradigms of of um, workforce development and actually empowering workforces. So. Does this mean that in about six months I'm going to get a phone call like at 10 o'clock at night? I need help finishing these drawings. <laughs> maybe. Probably not in six months, but maybe in like a year and six months you might. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. What about you, Ray? What have you been working on? Well, um, uh, a few things. And, uh, you know, the way you never know how things are going to work out. So, mm-hmm. you know, I've been working with these um, these hand spinner toys. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a matter of fact, the first one we made was as a direct result of a contact we made at the uh, at the Maker Fair in Silver Spring. Yep. 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 So I made that for uh, Mike Hogarty, and uh, I forget what episode we mentioned them in. I can but, look it up, but go ahead, keep going. I'll look it up. Yeah. So, we can, yeah. so uh, that was the first one, and uh, I got interested in maybe making one or two of my own, and of course providing content for my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and it has unexpectedly. Uh, taken you know a mind of its own it, mm-hmm. it exploded so i ended up starting a, a, a yet another website this will be number four i got now i have to maintain four websites <laughs> um the uh it's called real gear spinners dot uh, mm-hmm. com and the reason it's real gear spinners is that the majority of the spinners that i'm making are made from actual real gears mm-hmm. and uh, it, there's a certain industrial appeal to it that seems to have struck a chord with a lot of customers. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I've got as soon as we're done, I've got to go to the shop because I have to ship 15 tomorrow. That's so cool. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you've had a chance or if you saw any of my posts. Uh, this was the last one I, I made. Oh, nice. This yeah, week. But does, does that fit in your hand? Barely. Here, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, it barely fits in your hand. Barely fits in my hand. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I've had to figure out, and it's really thick. This is yeah, this yeah. one I, was not meant to be a product, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to uh, make it because I've been getting a lot of requests on my mm-hmm. YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Can you make this kind of spinner? Can you make that kind of spinner? Can you make this one and this one and this one? And, and yeah. <laughs> you can't make them all. So what I do is I've looked at the one that they've asked for the most, and it was the Spider-Man spinner. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess we'll put a link to that in the uh, in the video notes. Yeah, I mean, in the yes. podcast notes. Yeah. For sure. Um, so I just released that video Friday, and nice. I think it's 1,500 views already. Mm-hmm. Uh, so cool. I, I ended up creating another website just to sell these because I've, people have been uh, messaging me on Facebook, and it's hard to sell them directly one at a time. Right. yeah. yeah. So now you can direct them. Yes, yeah, so also put the <clears throat> the link. Actually, say what the link now of the of the website is. Realgearspinners.com. Cool. Yeah, and then we'll also have a link to that on the on the show notes. Yeah. So cool. Cool. All right. Well, that's, yeah. uh, I think this that's is a great show. That's the show. We've uh, covered a lot from <laughs> a TV show to things that we're working on. So nice. Uh, not sure what we'll talk about next week, but we'll we'll be back next week with a another topic. Um, I've been kicking around a few ideas, so we'll go from there. And if anybody has any show ideas they want to 
throw away, let us know. Something you want us to talk about or look into, we'd be glad yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. We can ignore any idea you send us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the? We? <laughs> <laughs> ignore. <laughs> we actually may almost be due for like an all all news episode, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we might be getting there. A Valentine's yeah. special. A Valentine's special. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Probably not. No. <laughs> uh, Celebrating made-up holidays. That's what that would be. Made-up holidays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so why don't we tell real quick people where they can find more about you? Claudia. Uh, you can find me at um, DC Berrigan on Twitter or um, at the City Ecologist and always at Made Podcast. Mm-hmm. Dot com. Yep. Ray. Uh, you can find me on my YouTube channel. If you just type in Ray Pena, it'll take you straight to it. Uh, my Facebook page, uh, Homemade Lathes. And I had to make a new Facebook page for my real gear spinners, obviously. Right. So now I've got uh, quite a few things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Quite a few pages to manage. Quite a few pages to keep track of. <laughs> You're going to have to hire a social media coordinator. Well, I tell you, if if I'm selling a thousand of these spinners a month, I would definitely have somebody handle all that stuff. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. And then you can find me at I'm at cityaperture.com or any other social media. Usually I'm at City Aperture there. So cool. That's uh that's the show. Yay. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh oh. If uh, a new link that's in the show notes is we I started a uh, Amazon associate uh thing for the show so if you're going to buy something on amazon use that link and uh you can support the show that way a little bit i don't know how it works i have no idea it was supposed to you you don't pay anything extra but we get a little kickback somehow so yeah yeah, yeah you can, can ex- then can fund our extravagant podcast exactly mm-hmm. we can <laughs> we, we, this is how we keep the lights on here at, uh, yeah. at the studio <laughs> <laughs> that's our dining table so yeah but yeah So if anybody feels like doing that, please use that. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye.